0: Good morning. Today is Monday the 20th of May 2019. Our readings for today are, oh, hang on, where did I put them? Psalms 56, 57, and 58. Wisdom 9, verse 1, and verses 7 through 18. Colossians 3, verse 18 through 4. One. oh, excuse me, yeah Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 18 and Luke 7, 36 through 50 we remember today Alcuin. I'm not really exactly sure how you say his name you all know by now that I can't pronounce anything if that bothers you, you've probably left already Um, He was the deacon and abbot of Tours. He was a deacon and the abbot of Tours. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Let us confess our sins together. Page 79 of the Book of Common Prayer. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Mother, to set forth her praise, to hear her holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship her, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by his infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us, in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Christ is risen. O come, let us worship. Alleluia. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving, and raise to the Lord a shout with psalms. For you are a great God. You are great above all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. O that today we would hearken to your voice. Psalms 56, 57, and 58. Be gracious to me, O God, for people trample on me. All day long foes oppress me. My enemies trample on me all day long. For many fight against me, O Most High, when I am afraid. I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I am not afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they seek to injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps. As they hope to have my life, so repay them for their crime. And wrath cast down the peoples, O oh God. You have kept count of my, of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will retreat in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I am not afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? My vows to you I must perform, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death and my feet from falling so that I may walk before God in the light of life. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until the destroying storms pass by. I cry to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame those who trample on me. God will send forth his steadfast love and his faithfulness. I lie down among lions that greedily devour human prey. Their teeth are spears and arrows, their tongues sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a nut for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my path but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my soul. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge people fairly? No, in your heart you devise wrongs, your hands deal out violence on earth. The wicked go astray from the womb, they err from their birth, speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the deaf adder that stops its ear, so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or of the cunning enchanter. O God, break the teeth in their mouths, tear out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. Like grass, let them be trodden down and wither. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime like the untimely birth that never sees the sun. Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. The righteous will rejoice when they see vengeance done. They will bathe their feet in the blood of the wicked. People will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the Wisdom of Solomon, Chapter 9 O God of my ancestors and Lord of mercy, who have made all things by your word, You have chosen me to be king of your people and to be judge over your sons and daughters. You have given command to build a temple on your holy mountain and an altar in the city of your habitation, a copy of the holy tent that you prepared from the beginning. With you is wisdom. She who knows your works and was present when you made the world, she understands what is pleasing in your sight and what is right according to your commandments. Send her forth from the holy heavens, and from the throne of your glory send her, that she may labor at my side, and that I may learn what is pleasing to you. For she knows and understands all things, and she will guide me wisely in my actions and guard me with her glory. Then my work shall be acceptable, and I shall judge your people justly, and shall be worthy of the throne of my Father. For who can learn the counsel of God? Or who can discern what the Lord wills? For the reasoning of mortals is worthless, and our designs are likely to fail. For a perishable body weighs down the soul, and this earthly tent burdens the thought from mind. We can hardly guess at what is on earth, and what is at hand we find with labor, But who has traced out what is in the heavens? Who has learned your counsel, unless you have given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high? And thus the paths of those on earth were set right, and people were taught what pleases you, and were saved by wisdom. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle 11, found on page 87 of the Book of Common Prayer, the third song of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. For behold, darkness covers the land, deep gloom enshrouds the peoples. But over you the Lord will rise, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will stream to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawning. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verse 18, through chapter 4, verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is your acceptable duty in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, or they may lose heart. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it, It as done for the Lord and not for your masters. Since you know that from the Lord you will will receive the inheritance as your reward, you serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong has been done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, for you know that you have a master in heaven. You also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving, At the same time, pray for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ, for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly, as I should. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the word. In the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, greets you. These are the only ones of the circumcision among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. He is always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf, so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. For I testify for him that he has worked hard for you, and for those in Lodica and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Damas greet you. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Lodica, and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Lodicans, and see that you read also the letter from Lodica. And say to Archippus, see that you complete the task that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle Q found on page 39 of Enriching Our Worship volume 1 A Song of Christ's Goodness Jesus is a mother you gather your people to you You are gentle with us as a mother with her children Often you weep over our sins and our pride Tenderly you draw Tenderly you draw us from hatred and judgment You comfort us in sorrow and bind up our wounds In sickness you nurse us, and with pure milk you feed us. Jesus, by your dying we are born to new life. By your anguish and labor we come forth in joy. Despair turns to hope through your sweet goodness. Through your gentleness we find comfort in fear. Your warmth gives life to the dead. Your touch makes sinners righteous. Lord Jesus, in your mercy heal us. In your love and tenderness remake us. In your compassion, bring grace and forgiveness. For the beauty of heaven, may your love prepare us. Praise to the Holy and Undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Luke 736 36-50 One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment, She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I am going to do as I did last time and use suffrages from Enriching Our Worship Volume 2. Let us name before God those for whom we offer our prayers. For privacy's sake, I'm going to pause, but I will audibly name those for whom I intercede. And let me say also that I intercede on behalf of our entire world, society, and culture, which is in need of so much healing. God, the only Father, your will for all people is health and salvation. We praise you and thank you. O Lord. God the Son, you came that we might have life and might have it more abundantly. We praise you and thank you, O Lord. God the Holy Spirit, you make our bodies the temple of your presence. We praise you and thank you, O Lord. Holy Trinity, one God, in you we live and move and have our being. We praise you and thank you. O Lord. God, grant your healing grace to all who are sick, injured, or disabled, that they be made whole. Hear us, O Lord of life. Grant to all who seek your guidance and to all who are lonely, anxious, or despondent, a knowledge of your will and an awareness of your presence. Hear us, O Lord of life. Mend broken relationships and restore those in emotional distress to soundness of mind and serenity of spirit. Hear us, O Lord of life. Bless physicians, nurses, and all others who minister to the suffering, granting them wisdom and skill, sympathy and patience. Hear us, O Lord of life. Grant to the dying peace and a holy death and uphold by the grace and consolation of your Holy Spirit those who are bereaved. Hear us, O Lord of life. Restore to wholeness whatever is broken by human sin, in our lives, in our nation, and in the world. Hear us, O Lord of life. You are the Lord who does wonders. You have declared your power among the peoples. With you, O Lord, is the well of life. And in your light we see light. Hear us, O Lord of life. Heal us and make us whole. Let us pray. O Lord our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people. In the multitude of your mercies, look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O Lover of souls, and to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. O oh God, the source of all health, so fill our hearts with faith in your love, that with calm expectancy we may wait. M- we may make room for your power to possess us and gracefully accept your healing. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who set us the in families, We commend to Thy continual care the homes in which Thy people dwell. Put far from them, we beseech Thee, every root of bitterness, the desire of vainglory, and the pride of life. Fill them with faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness. Knit together in constant affection those who in holy wedlock have been made one flesh. Turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents and so enkindle fervent charity among us all, that we may evermore be kindly affectioned one to another. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God, our Father, you see your children growing up in an unsteady and confusing world. Show them that your ways give more life than the ways of the world, and that following you is better than chasing after selfish goals. Help them to take failure, not as a measure of their worth, but as a chance for a new start. Give them strength to hold their faith in you and to keep alive their joy in your creation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so here's our time for personal prayers and commentary. And we've prayed some healing prayers and and we've paused and we've said some personal prayers during the um suffrages, or intercessory prayers. And so now it's time to talk about our readings. So, Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1 is a troublesome passage. And our liturgical schedule of readings allows us to omit this. It's listed in parentheses. And I'm not going to admit it. Omit it. Pardon me. I'm not going to omit it. I'm going to take it on today because I'm tired. I have had enough of leadership throughout our country from my two-up boss, you know, so my boss's boss, my second up, to our president saying hurtful, incorrect, sexist things. I'm done with it. I'm tired of it. I'm fed up with it. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I will no longer tolerate the perpetuation of a sick and unhealthy and wounding patriarchy that keeps us from being who we should be. I'm sick of even my spiritual director Using gender-biased terms. I am done with it. Completely and totally done with it. So today, I ask for the Holy Spirit's grace and understanding as I take on, with the help of some commentators, this passage in Colossians. This passage that is known as the household code. And this passage that has battered so many members of Christian culture ever since it was written. We not only condone patriarchy in this by our use of this passage, we condone slavery. We it, it just sucks. <laughs> and I read through several commentaries. So you guys I guess you don't see this, but if you were sitting here with me, you would see me have have paused after I finished the readings taken a break, gone and made myself a breakfast smoothie, finished my kid's breakfast, I mean finished preparing my kid's breakfast for him, and read through three commentaries on the subject, and I've kind of distilled it down to this, and, and so I'm going to read to you from In Memory of Her. A Feminist Theological Reconstruction of Christian Origins by Elizabeth Schussler, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, Fiorenza. And this book, let's see, this book came out in... It was copyrighted in 1983 and this is the 10th anniversary edition so 1994 so it's been out for a bit and at the time Fiorenza was and might still be I'm not entirely sure the Christer Stendel Professor of Divinity at Harvard Divinity School the first woman president of the Society of Biblical Literature and the co-founder and co-editor of the Journal of Feminist Studies in Religion so this book is a nice um, summary here. So let's um, turn to page, well, I'm turning to page 253, which talks about Christian mission and the patriarchal household. So. The writer of Colossians tells the Colossians that above all they should and here here starts the quote put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony that's Colossians 3, 5-17 they should behave wisely to outsiders and be able to answer everyone 4-5-F This is the context of the Household Code, 318 through 4.1, our passage in question. The first and most precise form of the domestic code in the New Testament. The basic form of this code consists of three pairs of reciprocal exhortations addressing the relationship between wife and husband, children and father and slaves and masters. In each case, the socially subordinate first member of the pair is exhorted to obedience to the superordinate second. The formal structure of such a household code then consists of address, wives, exhortation, submit to your husbands, and motivation, as is fitting in the Lord. The only Christian element in the Colossian code is the addition in the Lord. However, the author of Colossians quotes the code here not because he is concerned about the behavior of wives, but that of slaves. The expansion of the code's third pair, slave-master, indicates that the obedience and acceptance of servitude by Christian slaves are of utmost concern. Colossians asks slaves to fulfill their task with single-mindedness of heart and dedication as serving the Lord and not men, 323. He not only promises eschalo, eschatological excuse me, reward for such behavior, but also threatens eschatological judgment and punishment for misbehavior 324f the injunction to masters in turn is very short and has no christian component except the reminder that they too have a master in heaven slave behavior is likened here to the christian service of the lord while the masters are likened to the master in heaven It is obvious that the good behavior of slaves, according to the author, is the concrete realization of Galatians 3.28, insofar as both slaves and freeborn have one Lord in heaven, Christ, and belong to the new humanity, now hid with Christ in God. There is no question that E.A. judge is right when he asserts that what we hear in these injunctions is the voice of the propertied class. We have no way of determining whether those who are are your earthly masters are only pagan or also Christian masters. The injunction to the masters presupposes that they still have slaves who might or might not have been Christian. In taking over the Greco-Roman ethic of the patriarchal household code, Colossians not only spiritualizes and moralizes the baptismal community understanding expressed in Galatians 3.28, but also makes this Greco-Roman household ethic a part of Christian Christian is in quotes here social ethic. However, it is important to keep in mind that such a reinterpretation of the Christian baptismal vision is late. It did not happen before the last third of the 1st century. Folks, I think this is important person, an important point. This was not this was not Jesus's teaching. And we'll get to that in a bit. But let me just say this again. This reinterpretation of the Christian baptismal vision is late. It did not happen before the last third of the first century. Moreover, it is found only in one segment of early Christianity, the post-Pauline tradition, and had no impact on the Jesus traditions. The insistence on equality and mutuality within the Christian community that seems to have been expressed by slaves as well as by women is not due to later enthusiastic excesses or to illegitimate agitation for emancipation. The opposite is true. Colossians shows how a so-called enthusiastic, realized eschatological perspective can produce an insistence on patriarchal behavior as well as an acceptance of the established political-social status quo of inequality and exploitation in the name of Jesus Christ. In discussing the sitz im lieben of the household code form, exegetes have arrived at different interpretations. While a few scholars think that the demands for the obedience and submission of wives, children, and slaves are genuinely Christian, the majority sees the domestic code as a later Christian adaptation of a Greco-Roman or Jewish-Hellenistic philosophical theological code. In adopting the code, Christians followed the example of Hellenistic Judaism and utilized the form of the code developed in Jewish-Hellenistic missionary apologetics. This is basically a justification of the domination that was and patriarchy that was currently in place. It is not. It is not the teaching of Jesus. Th- that last sentence is my word. Um, there's a whole lot more in Fiorenza's book, and I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to. Dig into it deeper. I, I could speak all day on this and still um, there would be more to say. So let's go to Walter Wink, whom you guys heard me read from last time. we're on page 75 of the powers that be by walter wink Um, this chapter is called jesus answer to domination if you'll remember from the last time we talked about him wink proposed Jesus' third way the family was the most basic instrument of nurture social control enculturation and training in jewish society honoring one's parents for example was mandated by god in the ten commandments Yet Jesus, consistent with his critique of domination, had almost nothing good to say about families. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Luke 14:26, see also Matthew 10:37. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five and one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Luke 1251 through 53. Why is he so extreme? Even allowing for the Semitic fondness for graphic overstatement does not account for Jesus' persistent critique. I believe Jesus was so consistently disparaging because the family and dominator societies is so deeply embedded in patriarchy and serves as the citadel of male supremacy, the chief inculcator of gender roles, and a major inhibitor of change. It is in families where most women and children are battered and abused and where the majority of women are murdered. In a great many cultures, men are endowed with the inalienable right to beat, rape, and verbally abuse their wives. The patriarchal family is thus the foundation on which the larger units of patriarchal dominance are based. The first person who attempts to squelch an act of courage is often a family member. And is it not the case that the overwhelming preponderance of time and attention in psychotherapy is devoted to undoing damage done within families? So deeply is the family enmeshed in the values of the domination system that people's own flesh and blood may even betray them rather than see society's values jeopardized. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Jesus renounces the family as constituted by genetic bloodlines, and offers an alternative. A new family, made up of those whose delusions have been shattered, who are linked not by that deepest of all bonds, the blood tie, but by solidarity in the work of God. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Mark 3.35 Note the deliberate omission of the Father. So also Mark 10.29-30 There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands but no fathers. That this omission of the fathers is no accident is shown by Jesus' statement. Call no man your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Matthew 23, 39. In the new family of Jesus, there are only children, no patriarchs. As feminist scholar Elizabeth Schussler Fiorenza, remember we were just reading her, Walter Wink is referencing her now, By reserving the name Father for God, Jesus subverts all patriarchal structures. No one can now claim the authority of the Father because that power belongs to God alone. Human beings will, of course, continue to be born to biological families. The family is not intrinsically evil. It is the source of great good. Like every power, it is created by God and thus is holy and just and good. It is fallen and it is capable of redemption. The family is therefore to be protected. Radical discipleship must not be allowed to issue in callous disregard for parents, Mark 7, 9-13, or spouses, Mark 10, 1-12, or children, Mark 9, 37, 10, 13-16. But families are also to be critiqued and challenged. A function performed by the new family established by Jesus. The goal is not the eradication of the family but its transformation into a non-patriarchal partnership of (laughs) of mutuality and love. Sorry, I get excited and I get tongue-tied. As such, it is exemplary of the new family of Jesus. In that context, we can see some calls for restoring family values for what they often are an attempt to recover patriarchal dominance. Paul's surprisingly anti-family attitude in 1 Corinthians 7 becomes more intelligible in the light of Jesus' teaching. Paul is not simply anticipating an immediate end to history. He is trying to disentangle believers from the most profoundly soul-shaping institution in human society. Some Corinthian women may have found welcome relief in being freed from having to marry, bear as many as 14 children, and live a life restricted to the household. Paul may have been closer to the mind of Jesus here than he has been credited with being. In respect to the Holiness Code, the law, relations with with the Gentiles, this temple sacrifice and other issues, the church developed the implications of Jesus' teaching further. In the case of the family and the role of women, however, and all other matters dealing with male supremacy— The church generally softened, compromised, and finally abandoned Jesus' position altogether. So, folks, what we need to take from this is that Colossians, written some 60-ish years after Jesus' death, had already succumbed to the Greco-Roman construct of a patriarchal society. It was not Jesus' intent for people to be slaves or for women to be submissive to their husbands and I love my brothers and sisters that disagree with me but this is where I firmly stand men and women, women and women men and men, whomever the blessed partnership is should be equals coming together and creating a healthy family environment for themselves, for their children if they have them, and this should expand out into our culture. And so, you know what? I'm glad that we can bring this out and we can talk about it and deal with it. And I pray that I pray that we who have been awakened by our love for and in Christ can be powerful messengers of redemption for families and for systems everywhere. God please break the patriarchal domination system in our world in our families, in our workplaces in our government, in our churches Lord Jesus, let us be instruments of peace. Let us be strong and brave, even when it's painful. Amen. And let me just say quickly, too, that our gospel teaching speaks to Jesus treatment of women he was living in a culture where for a sinful woman and the implication here is that she was a prostitute although we can I'm not totally sure that I, I want to go with, with that reading but at any rate she was a woman who was not his wife and she came and she touched him and that in their culture made him unclean and not only did he not accept that stigma he extended to her the grace and healing that he claimed he didn't succumb to his culture he, Jesus did not intend to perpetuate those unhealthy relationships in families and systems between men and women. He came to bring us something new. We lost sight of that. We, the Christian church, lost sight of it quickly, early on, and we must reclaim it now. Amen and praise God. Let's close together with the general thanksgiving beginning on page 101. Almighty God of the Book of Common Prayer, Almighty God, Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.